Hello, welcome to 360 Yourself, the podcast show centered around self-awareness and improvement. I'm Jamie Neal, host of 360 Yourself. So, a little bit of information of how the podcast came about. In 2014, I had a breakdown and was hospitalized. Too much work, too much anxiety, too much coffee, and not enough self-care. In the hospital, lying there with my thoughts, I had to rethink my entire way of life. The doctor said I was overworked and my body just gave up. Now, I'm not gonna say it wasn't scary, but it was a bit of a turning point for me. From there, I started to rebuild myself, reading hundreds of self-help books and questioning everything from, why do we have triggers? Why do we have egos? What is manifesting and what is identity? Many years later, someone recommended that I start a podcast because I've always been interested about how others lead their lives. And thus, 360 Yourself was born, interviewing incredible minds about how they understand themselves and how they utilize their knowledge and awareness to set out into their space. 360 Yourself is a dedicated podcast meeting brilliant and curious minds and looking at the world around them. I speak to artists, musicians, sports athletes, authors, CEOs, and experts in human behaviors, released every Sunday at 12 p.m. I ask questions about their mindset, journey, values, and ethos to fully understand how each of their minds work. How can we become more of ourselves to grow to the ultimate person we know we can be? If you do enjoy the episodes that you're listening to, please visit our Instagram page at 360 underscore yourself to let us know what you like and how you're learning. Or you can email us jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. That's jamie at 360yourself.co.uk. Hello, Sarah Ann. How are you doing? Or SA for short. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on. I have no idea what we're about to talk about, but I'm excited. I think that's the best, though. I think that's but life though isn't it it's like we never know what's going to hold in the future i always think about like when people when actors talk about like improvising and people say oh i get so head up with uh, improvising i'm like we're literally improvising right this moment like there's no it's not pre-prescribed there's no script we're literally just improvising and having conversation and in life so i think sometimes the best things in life is that you just don't know what's going to happen so that's the best part of life right isn't it no idea what's going to happen isn't it? So um, I want to say thank you so much for coming on 360 Yourself. I'm, again, obviously a massive fan of your show. Um, and so just tell me a little bit how the show started first, because I'm also intrigued as well how it started. Yeah, so the show, my gosh. So we've been going three years, I want to say now, which wow. feels mad, because in the last year, it's kind of really kind of taken a, a form of its own. But basically, I started it because I also have, so I have an organisation alongside the podcast. Um, and the organisation I started about five, six years ago, is called the BWAR Collective, and it's a mental health organisation. And one of our initiatives that we used to do was we used to film people coming in and telling us their story. So Gary Barlow would come in and talk to us about his story with bulimia and his journey and how what he went through and where he is now. Because for me, and I'm sure you'll resonate with this, right, a lot of kind of change behavior happens through storytelling through impactful stories Mm -hmm. so for me as an expert for someone who was on the expert point of view I never saw real change happening from saying well you should do this or have you thought about this or this should happen Mm -hmm. because it's like unless I really resonate with why they should do something they won't do it so for us we were starting off originally filming stories and then we were filming experts on kind of the next steps to take if this story has resonated with you. Mm-hmm. And this is all pre-COVID. And we were filming this in Rankin Studio in North London. And then all of a sudden, COVID hit. So no studios were open. Nothing was happening. 
And for me, I was like, actually, I'm really engaging with this initiative that we're doing. Because for me, actually, I think the, the real benefit of all of this is stories. So I was like, how else could I do this? Well, we don't have access to a studio. We can't even leave our homes. I mean, there was one point we couldn't leave our house more than 30 minutes a day. Mm. Um, and for me, podcasting was like the only solution because I was like, I can get a microphone, I can sit at home and I can have stories with people um, on a podcast. So within kind of five days, I literally just ordered a microphone, figured out how to record it and basically just released my first podcast. And in line with that, my first ever podcast was with a scientist who worked on the G6 and the G20 pandemics, because during that time, so I had, I was living alone um, in Brixton, and I remember getting like huge influxes of anxiety because I couldn't go and see my parents. And I basically thought we were all going to die. I mean, the scaremongering at the beginning, like saying it now sounds quite obscene and like really dramatic, but actually at the time, people were genuinely fearful they were going to die if they got COVID. Mm. And I stopped watching news. I stopped watching the BBC. I stopped watching everything because I was just like, this is terrifying. And I actually reached out to a woman who worked on like the SARS and the Mars outbreak, which was very similar to how we treated COVID. And I basically got her on the show for the first of the episode and said, look, just tell me the facts. I don't want scaremongering. I don't want you to tell me we're going to die. I just want to know how do you think it started? Where we're going to roughly go? What should we be doing? And it was the first time that somebody told me advice on an expert side without all of these scenarios that we didn't know were going to happen and I felt quite calm and that went out and actually loads of people listened to it and I thought oh maybe I'll just keep doing it and so that's kind of how it started and then it ended up just kind of now it's got a mind of its own and now it's um you know a mixture of storytelling with expert opinions um and it's basically like your own guide to health um from yeah stories and, and expert opinions so and that's kind of how it started have you have you always <laughs> been into like healthy and like be like cook because you because I, I like your ingredients and you're like you remind me of like my mother in a way that my mother's very very healthy like she like vegan makes her own stuff like literally will make everything from scratch and that's what I sort of imagine with you yourself as well like how did you get the information how did you start on this sort of journey of like really being health conscious do you know what? it's interesting so yeah when I was young I was not health conscious at all um and that's, I mean, I always loved cooking. And I think I'm definitely someone who I'm not the best at sitting behind a desk. I've definitely got quite a lot of energy. So for me, doing something, being in the kitchen, having an active mind, I really, really enjoyed. Um, but do you know what? My life started as a model when I was very young at 15. Um, and so I think I was kind of, without knowing it, put into a world that I needed to be health conscious, but I actually wasn't healthy at all. I wasn't making informed decisions on my health. I was basically mm. following trends and thinking I don't need to eat very much or when I do eat, it needs to be a certain type of meal because that's kind of what you're informed of. But it's not it's not a healthy way to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that time as well, I was living in New York where you've got all of these kind of trends being thrown down your neck and you think it's healthy and actually it, it's not. Um, but for me, kind of my real health pivot came in one when I was diagnosed with IBD and that's when I had to really change. What's IBD? So IBD is have you heard of things like um, colitis, ultras colitis, Crohn's they're basically like a form of a bowel disease so you've got IBS which is like irritable bowel 
Uh-huh. And then you've got IBD, which is like a slightly different version. Um, right. A right. little bit more, a little bit more severe than, than IBS, basically. Uh-huh. And I was diagnosed with that, which basically they said, you've got to stop eating meat. You've got to start being really aware of your diet and what you're eating because it's it's really impacting um, your GI system. And I was like, okay. So I started to become a little bit more aware of that. And then actually when I started to change my diet, actually give it what it needed my body like more nourishment than it needed I started mm. to feel much better and then I left the, I'm still in the modeling industry but I kind of took a step back from modeling went and studied human nutrition and started actually realizing that so much about nutrition is not about our physical appearance that's how I looked at it right I was a model my financial gain was on what I looked like but actually so much about nutrition is about how we feel within ourselves like within our mind um figuring out I was dyslexic and then realizing that I could like support my dyslexia with nutrition like for me this was like mind-blowing and then I was like well if I could support dyslexia what else could you support Mm. support your mental health and that kind of took me down this avenue of like really understanding the importance of nutrition so I don't cook all the time perfectly every day like honestly there's so many times where I'm just like I can't I can't be asked to cook to go and cook all these beautiful ingredients but I'm much more conscious of like not eating on demand like trying to make it a daily practice of just being a bit more aware of preparation time or if I've got a busy week like what can I do to make my nutrition choices a bit easier because yeah I definitely don't home and cook every night I, I don't know many people who do apart from maybe like Tim Spector who when I went to his house does literally look like you know the, the god of the nutrition bible yeah, but yeah yeah apart from that like apart from that i mean i love to cook it's a thing i love to, it's one of my favorite pastimes i love doing it the weekend but there is like a monday night and i'm like i'm exhausted and i'm just gonna make a choice that i find feels right for my mental health right now which is probably a pot um, noodle isn't it T- tell me it's a pot noodle yeah, it's not a pot noodle you know what i don't think i'm gonna no i can't i think i've done too much research but i can't eat that but it might just be, I don't know, it might just be something like really easy, like eggs on toast, or I don't know, maybe it's like a, a delivery or something around the corner. Yeah. So it's a balance. Life's all about balance, right? It's of course not about, it like, is. being perfect all the time. Um, and I think it's just really refreshing to hear that not everyone has the time to make these nutritious meals. I don't know. I don't know how people can do it every single day. Honestly, I, I don't. I don't know how they do it. But my but my mum does though. Honestly, I'm not even joking. My mum is so regiment with her diet and her. She makes everything from scratch and preps and every like all, amazing. And her, Kudos to your mum. Like, my mum. I mean, my mum. My mum's breakfast if, right <laughs> is like seven different types of seeds and then some honey and some yogurt, fresh made yogurt and. I've never seen my mum is. Makes, she makes. She makes. She gave milk cows and make a yogurt. She she go no because <laughs> she she lives by a farm right so she has like fresh yogurt thing that from a farm everything is local Amazing. where where my parents live so it's all fresh it's all fresh I mean the eggs are from the farm or the duck eggs or whatever like there's nothing the bread is from the local bread person like it's Incredible. just yeah. Isn't that how it should be? I mean, it's sadly we're in, you know, I live in London. I'm I'm not sure if you do as well, but it's very hard to get that kind of local fresh produce. Um Yeah. But my my friend my know, family live in a village though. In the in Devon. I know. I mean that's Devon, that, I mean that's so why different. I'm like, what a nice lifestyle choice. Oh, it would well, be they, yeah, I, they, I would they love wanted... to 
the they wanted to move here though. They, they i think i think that's important right they wanted to move into an area where like they have like nature and stuff and i think yeah i, I think talking about like covid like everyone most people bought outside of london because of covid and they wanted to have more nature and i think a lot of people even nowadays like new york and la and london most people don't live or don't live as much now in the cities because of covid because they want to have a better mm-hmm. life and better quality like when my mates tell me how much they they pay for a rent in like i don't know somewhere like the peak district or whatever or like down where like i'm from like my the devon or cornwall compared to what i would pay in los angeles or like what i pay in london it is crazy how much how, how, how different it is and how much they get for their money I know it's fine. I mean, what are we doing to our lives? <laughs> I don't know. This is this thing. This is the this, this lifestyle choice. I know, but this is a thing though. Like I, I've always wanted to like just go to like Lisbon or like go to like somewhere re- like Alicante in Spain or something, and just like live there for like three, four months and just pay like literally nothing, remote work there, and then fly in to when I want to do shit. And I think, and I think, I think, but you can. You can. I know. I, I know. I can. I know. I can. <laughs> I th- I think because the, the, I'm still in the man- mentality of like living in the city life that I need to be around and do and shake and see people and and all that sort of stuff. But there's a part of me that would love just to get up and go and just go for like two three months and live in these random villages in Spain or Italy. Uh, that's what I'd love well, to do. I think that's what you should do this year. Maybe that's what yeah. You do you should write that down and make that like on your goal. Like yeah, I should September, actually. I want to live in a random village and like tell me how you get on with it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I know it's it's tricky, isn't it? It's, it's sometimes because you 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 manifest these things and you go, okay, I'm going to do it, and then sometimes you just never you never do them because life gets busy or because you're like, oh, I need to be here or I need to be there or I need to go for this for a meeting it, or work. It's gets crazy. It all depends on what you prioritize. It's interesting, right? We always kind of make these excuses that we're like, oh, I really wanted to do that, but I just didn't do it. And I really am a big believer in like you create, you don't have responsibility, right? So you don't have a family of five that you've got to feed and like all that stuff. You kind of got this amazing part of your life where you can actually do whatever you'd like to do, but it's what your priorities are. And that yeah. I think is kind of like quite amazing to kind of think, actually, I do have a choice if I want to go and live somewhere. Obviously everyone has such different circumstances. So this is like definitely not going to be, you know, available to everyone, but in certain parts of your life, you do have the freedom to express yourself as much and, as you want. And I'm and... I'm 30, so like I have like the world of my oyster. I feel like exactly. I said, I said to someone the other day, I was like, I feel like I'm 20 years old again, like youthfulness, but I have yeah. 10 years worth of resources and experience, and I have more money in my pocket. I have all these things that I know, and I know the people. And now I feel like I'm back at my twenty, back when I was twenty, but I'm thirty. If that makes any sense, it does make sense. It yeah, kind of. Sense. I kind of it makes sense. I mean, in in our twenties, we don't have. <laughs> well, I was like, <laughs> I was like, didn't know what I stood for, didn't know what I enjoyed. Like, you know, I was just kind of like going along, trying to figure out who the hell I was in my life. And I mean, uh-huh. I think so many of us are. In, have those moments and for me like that was most of my <laughs> my 20s whereas like in the 30s you've kind of got a bit more life experience but it doesn't always mean that you use it so I kind of think like if that's something that's priority to you you should definitely um yeah I, I, I just love traveling I mean I traveled so much when I was younger with my family I think I've been to like 35 countries or something like that, or nearly 40 countries um my, fa- my fa- I don't know if it, did you did you travel quite a lot when you were younger with your family 
I didn't travel loads of my planning. I traveled all the time modeling. I mean, oh, right. okay. all the time. Um, so much that, you know, I never had a base. I'd just be on a, I'd sleep on flights to get to the next job. That's so quite nice. I quite, I I quite like that jet setting life though. It's quite nice. No, it's not. Honestly, it's, it's <laughs> no. not. Because you, when you have like your body is like, what the hell is going on? Like, where am I now? What time zone am I in now? Right, right. That massively affects your mental health. And plus, like, when you are traveling that much, I don't know, I'm saying I've, one of my values that I found really important is um, is human connection. And so I basically spent, and I'm a bit of a lone ranger now in what I do, but I definitely have find like a community really important and having a base where I have that community because I was a model for many years I never really nurtured relationships we didn't have enough time to um I was never in like one city long enough to foster them so I kind of I really looking back that's the one thing that I think I'd really missing from my life which really impacted kind of my own mental health because I didn't have this important community or connections or relationships which we know is one of the biggest things for happiness and longevity so for me, like traveling every day on a plane or never having a base or never kind of having that importance of community, I, it really affected kind of my own mental health. Well, um, yeah. So now I find that quite sacred to have, to still travel, but to still have a base where I can come back and I'm like, okay, I can call a friend, I could see someone, someone who knows, you know, what I'm going through or who I am. I found that to be really important for me anyway. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, Life is about community. I, I, I speak this yeah. in volumes to everyone because I, I as many as as we've had so many people on the podcast now and everyone talks about community. Everyone talks about I uh, couldn't get through this um, accident that I have without the, my family or my community. Or we had uh, Teresa uh, Potts, um, Teresa Potts, uh, Tara Potts um, with her child. And she was like, oh, I, I really, I progressed further in my career because I had a really great community, could look after my child while I was in, in meetings and, and all that sort of stuff. So it, community is everything. I mean, as much as you think that you are a lone ranger and you can go off and do all these things, you do need community to help you keep grounded and also to, to, to lean on when you are uncertain about like because life is going to throw you up and down and when you're down you really need your community if you don't have a community how are you doing it how are you getting through it by yourself mm -hmm. I, you can't i don't i mean can you i don't know i don't know if it's possible I maybe mean, it's harder i mean i think everyone listened to this right we all went through covid so we know the importance of isolation but that was also taken away from us it's been very few moments through you know not our lifetime, but just kind of through humanity when like our actual surroundings, our actual community is kind of taken away from us. And that is what happens. Like all of our autonomy was gone. Like we were locked kind of in our houses to be allowed out for 30 minutes a day. When you describe it like that, it's mad that we actually went through that in this country, but we did. And I think many of us experienced a huge epidemic of loneliness, which is something that I felt as a model massively but I never had the language or even kind of the emotional awareness to describe that's how I felt it was mm -hmm. just I just felt very misplaced or very I was surrounded by people right I wasn't like I was just sat in a room on my own like it wasn't that sort of surrounded by people every day but I just felt inherently alone and that's a completely different thing so people might go well how can people be lonely if they're surrounded by people but if people if you're not seen or you're heard or you connect with someone you feel a massive amount of isolation and loneliness. And that's sadly what loneliness is and the loneliness like epidemic that we're going through. But when you look at, um, there's there's two kind of references here. You've got 
one of the biggest studies that was ever done in longevity and happiness, which looked at two communities. One was, um, basically what they wanted to measure was who kind of lived the longest and what was the reasons behind it. And what they found is that people had the most meaningful relationships. And now that's not just kind of in a partner and a, and a loving relationship. It's within a community. They had lower levels of stress and they had a longer a longer lifespan. People that didn't have those communities and connections actually had shorter lifespans. And so we kind of know just from kind of like epidemiological data when we've like studied different communities, that's a really big factor. And, and it's also shown in the blue zones, which I'm not sure if you or your listeners might have heard of, but they basically looked at five countries around the world that have people that live to over 100 and they're called centarians. And one of the biggest things there is they've got, they've got nine powers that they live by and two of them involve community. One is like belonging to a community and the other is having a sense of purpose in that community. And they know that the people that kind of live above and beyond 100 all have these kind of like these main predominant values within their lives. Can you the give me the map? Like so oh, important. I'll the go there. <laughs> I'll go there. Like one, one Sardinia, one the Okawians. Okawians? I think it's the Okawians. Oh, I'm not going to say that right because my dyslexia. Um, but there's lots of, there's, there's basically five countries and they're the ones, um, and they're subsects in the countries. But if you Google the blue zones, you'll basically see this kind of altitude of work that they've been done. And they've basically been studying it for, for years and years and years. And they've basically been observing how people live their lives. And there's nine different factors that they all have that are very similar. So they're kind of eating to the 80-20 rules one. Another one is like winding down in the evening. Another one is having a sense of purpose. Another one is having a sense of community um, and following these factors. And it's interesting because when you listen to it, you're like, actually, these are things that we could all adopt as lifestyle behaviours mm. as opposed to like all of these dramatic things that we read in the news, like biohack your body, go and do cryotherapy, which I'm not saying aren't good. Which is what I have like done. Extreme. I have done all these things. <laughs> right and there's like there's like something to be said to like have them but if you actually look at like the simplicity of what these people do they don't have mm-hmm. all these tools it's basically like lifestyle choices or things that they've done it's, um that they've there implemented was, there was that woman uh, there was a woman in italy and she was she's like 100 years old and she basically said someone did a tiktok thing and she said so the person's asked her how do you live to 100 she said good wine good food good oil and that was it. And I was like, that's my life. That's what I want. Right. Probably limited stress. Yeah. I mean, she she looked pretty chill. I'm not going to lie. She looked pretty fly. And she was just like wandering around with her her, her like bag of uh, oranges. Just amazing. Easy. I, I mean, don't I, we all want to be her? <laughs> I, I maybe at 100. Yeah, I think I do. But uh, isn't, Dick, isn't Dick Van Dyke also nearly 100 as well? I swear. Really? Yeah, I, th- I think he's like 97 or 96. See, I just got him in my head for Mary Poppins and he still looks about 30. <laughs> I know, but I, I'm pretty sure someone's got, someone from the audience is going to like send an email going, it's not, he's 80. But I'm pretty sure I watched a uh, Good Morning America interview with him three weeks ago and he was doing yoga in his garden and he was like saying, I still oh, want to like perform and be in shows and stuff. And I think he's 97 or 96. I mean, amazing. isn't it amazing, like, that mindset that he's got? I still want to do these. Whereas, like, yeah. I can always hear my parents who are, and they won't listen to this because they don't listen to podcasts, they don't listen to my podcast, so I can Neither do, do, does mine, they, don't worry. They, they, are, they are in their late 60s, and they are in good shape for their health, right? They are they're active people. 
you know, touch wood, they're okay. But they have this mindset of being like, oh, we're old now. We're old now. We've got to like slow down a bit. And no. I'm like, no, this mindset no, keep is the going. mindset. Exactly. This is, this is when you start a new business and you go tennis at 6am in the morning and you go for like six mile runs. This is everything. Exactly. Whereas Dick Van Dyke's not saying that to himself. He's like, I still want to perform. And I'm like, it's such a great mindset. If, the, the things that, that there's a simple phrase. If you don't use it, you lose it. Right. Very simple phrase. Yeah. So if you keep yourself active, you go for walks. I said to my mum this the other day, my mum's very fragile, very precious. And I said to my mum, I was like, you need to go and do exercise more. Like she had like she broke up, she broke her foot, right? And I said, Okay, rest up for five, six weeks and then go and do some exercise. Go, go, I don't know, cycling or I don't know, go whatever you want to do or swimming. And then now this pain has like transferred from one foot into the other foot. And I was like, you know, it's psychological. You know, like if you just sort of get on with the pain and you have to ride through the pain and go and exercise, you know that you will strengthen up the muscles and then you won't feel pain anymore. But if you feel pain and then you give up, it's never going to work. You have to use it or you do lose it. And so I keep saying yeah. stresses to my mum all the time, like go and exercise because it will it will literally help you so much more. Yeah. It's honestly the the power of our mind is amazing, but we're so we we sadly kind of been programmed to go into default mode, which is more of like that I can't or I won't or you know the, more of the negativity because you know we're kind of just like neural wired to go that way. It's a lot harder to form the habit of the positive mindset, but like when you do, you kind of feel like you know you end up having. I can do mindset, which actually so many more positive things end, end up changing. And we know, like from our physiology, how we talk to ourselves affects how we feel internally and how our stress levels react. So we know that if we, we talk to ourselves negatively, we have much more um, negative health impacts than if we talk to ourselves in a positive way. Like just that small thing dramatically changes our body. And I find that, that I find that absolutely fascinating. So, so, so what if you talk positive? positively to yourself your muscles or your cells acknowledge this yeah no way yeah wow yeah. i'm i would i should do this though and i'd be like i'll be a superhero i'll be like can i fly and then suddenly it would just like start multiplying and then i'll be a mutant flying i don't know if it were actually that but i mean your stress hormones will lower and i could be like i can fly i can fly i can fly and then suddenly i'll just be able to fly that's i mean that's what i dream about i do dream about flying but <laughs> There is, there is, obviously, there is. Why also... don't you get one of those like um, wingman suits? Have you seen that on? Oh, Netflix? Well, you, you, you open like up the and then, yeah, the wingman. And I'd they like fly. That would be me. That would literally be me. Uh, you be me. I'm, I'm like, well, like Speedy Gonzalez. Is that what you call it? Like, shh, or around. But I also think that there's, there's something amazing about self-talk, right? I think it was like Renee Brown who said, um, oh, I think she's I'm pretty amazing. sure. I mean, she's amazing. I think she was saying about the high fiving yourself in the mirror every morning, which is what I also do as well. I high five right. my, because you have to, because if you high five someone like that, you'll instantly smile. You can't not smile or feel some sort of good endorphins if you high five someone. So she said, if you high five yourself in the mirror every morning, you'll innately feel a lot better about yourself and i do it as well and so i think that there is something mystical about how we do our actions or say things to ourselves that make us feel better and our internally we must be listening because it's all just like cells as talking to each other because that's that's what like electric uh, neural electricity thing from your brain is going down to your body it's all electric right it's all just like things doing this and just Actually. talking to each other so it's just so fascinating exactly. that the the fact that you talk about 
self-talk positively affects your body in an amazing way to make you hopefully more healthy yeah it does as you think about like every time you talk to like when you're kind of in a critic comes in I mean it comes into all of us I, d- I don't think I know I don't think there's not one person where they don't have an inner critic and if and they so say they, they are they're lying they are, they're lying, they're, they're, they're lying. Um, because, or they're just or they're just not self-aware I think that's the biggest thing I think because maybe, it's, maybe it's the old generation the old generation are not as self-aware as uh, as we are but anyway that's another conversation but, they, but... but they must definitely always have these moments where they're like oh I couldn't do that or I'm not good enough to do that or I'm an imposter in X or my dad I should doesn't. have done this better my dad doesn't really? I don't, honestly my dad is the most unself-aware person ever he doesn't he have have something where he doesn't I tried, share it. I tried to brain. I tried to poke him. I can't get anything out of it. Trust me, me and my sister have had, have had these conversations. I'm like, how do you feel, Dad? Do you feel like imposter syndrome? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, imposter syndrome. Is... No. I'm like, do you find anxiety? No. What do you mean? And he just he just doesn't. He just doesn't. I don't know. He's just a, he's a different generation. He just maybe he just been... doesn't admit it. Maybe he does, and he's Maybe, just but too he, afraid to he, even admit it. <laughs> I he he's he's his motto is just get on with it, like that's his yeah. motto. He just he's in that he's in that era where back in the seventies you just got on yeah. with it, and that's kind of what mm-hmm. he did, and he still does. So he's in that old mentality where he don't talk about your feelings so much. But I yeah, I think I think everyone everyone apart from my dad um, does feel <laughs> or go through anxiety or self doubt or something like that. Yeah, and I think like you know, your inner critic doesn't have to be linked to anxiety. It can be linked to anything, right? It can just be like you did a shit job. Like your, you know, your dad's inner critic might just be like, "You've done that better." Doesn't think anything of it, but that's like an inner critic, right? So it's just telling you that you're not good enough, or that you should have done something better, or you know, it will also kind of put you off maybe trying something because you'll be like, "Oh, I'm you know, not really aligned with that. So I won't do it." That's like your inner critic telling you that you're not good enough, as opposed to like the positive side being like, "You should do it. You'd be amazing at that," or like wow, you did a really great job. Or actually, you know, be kind to yourself because it's fine that this didn't happen this way because of X, X, X. And you're way more compassionate. Mm. So it kind of shows up in so many different shapes and forms with different people. Do you... if you think about it, it reacts to your body. And so that's you... when many things so, can happen. Go, go. I'm, I don't stress. want to talk to you. But I, I was just say, do you find uh, or have you found in the future, in the, in the future, in the past, um, that... When you wake up in the morning, because I, I spoke to someone recently about this, about anxiety in the morning or like self-doubts or like this, the, 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 the negative cycle sometimes that you get up and you worry about X and then you wake up the next day and you worry about X and you're in this sort of pattern. Have you ever faced that and then gone, how do I break that cycle of mm-hmm. like that, the, the negative self-talk or just what, or self-doubt or whatever it might be waking up in the morning? Because we, I think what it, from from science, we actually are. There's more chemicals pumping through our body in the morning that allows those an hour just to be a bit more anxious than we were for the entire day. Yeah, our cortisol levels are naturally higher for the first hour we wake up. There you go. So that's the word I was looking for. Our cortisol levels. Yeah. So then that's kind of a lot of our adrenal hormones, and so as soon as you wake up, our cortisol is, is really, really, is really, really heavy. So if you are someone who suffers with anxiety it's probably not the best thing to go and have a shot of coffee which is kind of an habitual thing that we do now in this country so if you are someone that suffers with anxiety maybe having coffee first thing when your cortisol is really high probably not the best thing to do um but there's lots of different things you know like our cortisol works in something called the hpa axes 
which is basically, if you think about our hypothalamus, which is like at the bottom of our brain, it can go into a reaction and it hit our pituitary gland, which releases another hormone, and then that releases cortisol. And one of the biggest cofactors in that is magnesium. So if you're even going back to our diet, if you're somebody who's waking up, maybe you're an anxious person, so you're not really thinking about your diet because it's relying on your mind, and you're like grabbing a piece of coffee because you're also like, okay, I need to wake up, I need to like get myself going. And then you're also not eating well. If you're magnesium deficient, already that cycle is going to be even stronger because it's not going to break. Whereas if you've mm. got enough magnesium in it, it can help regulate it. So, so many things, even not just with negative self-talk, kind of like the biochemics of what's going in to your body and how your body's actually reacting in a physiological way is also out of your control. So mm. there's that part to like look at. And then if you're already in this kind of negative cycle, which trust me, like I've been there so many times, so many times, um, and I think we all go through that, right? We're always like, oh my God, why can I not like control my racing mind? Or why do I feel so like spiraled today? And it's like, what I think, like I've learned, and this isn't like for everyone, but it's kind of actually just not fearing it. Because as soon as you start going, okay, right, what can I do? Okay, I'm going to breathe, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Like you basically like panic yourself. And if you're, if your tools aren't calming you down, then you feel even more shame around it. And you're like, why can't I control it? Mm-hmm. And I think that when I get in that moment or when I have those like insane negative cycles, which we all have, mm-hmm. and I remind people of that, um, it's actually just like being compassionate. It's just like accepting, you know, actually today, this is how I feel. Like today, this is how I feel. And I've got to accept that. If I fight it, I'm going to probably feel worse. And it's like the acknowledgement and the acceptance that I think plays such a big role in that negative cycle. Mm. Because if you don't accept or acknowledge it, then you're just continuing to spiral. And then you might just be trying to breathe to calm it down, but it's more of like acknowledging it. And then the more you acknowledge it, it's kind of saying, why is it that I'm feeling like that? Is there things that I can do? Can I look at my diet? Can I cut cut coffee? Is there other things that I can implement in in that first hour when I wake up to Mm. kind of help me? Um, and so a lot of it is kind of like the self-awareness for yourself around because everyone's different right so they are, something yeah. might work for me that literally would not work for you at all mm. and I think that's really important to like acknowledge because I think so many times we're told things and then it doesn't work for us and then we go oh my god why, do, why does it not work for me or why am I an anomaly or and then you kind of elicit this horrible shame feeling on yourself that well this breathing exercise meant to work but it actually doesn't work for me so I'm obviously useless and so it's kind of having that compassion to be like, well, what works for Jamie? Is it, That's amazing. doesn't necessarily it's going to mean it's going to work for me. So I think it's around just kind of like having compassion for yourself in that moment is really important in that kind of like negative feeling of self-talk. Yeah. Two thoughts. Isn't being smart and self-aware an attractive quality nowadays? I've just listened to you and I'm like, wow, it's so amazing. Like how much you know about this thing. It's a very, it's, I think when I was, I don't know what, but when you were younger, but when I was younger, being smart wasn't that uh, attractive because it's, it never was, it never is. But then now you get older, you're like, oh, wow, someone knows so much about this. And I'm like, and also being dyslexic. I'm like, I know there's a word somewhere. Uh, I can't say it, can't find it, but you said it. Um, secondly, um, uh, it, it's it's interesting this the thing of self-aware because when i was younger i would feel a certain way and then what i would do is suppress it and then i wouldn't let myself feel it and then i would go nope can't, positive energy can't do that da, 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 da. and then i and i would just mitigate it and just put it over there for like i don't know 10 minutes 
and then it wouldn't spring up again. And then what I learned to do is actually address why I'm feeling that way and then sit into it because I never used to sit into it. I used to think, oh, negative thought, get rid of it. Oh, self-doubt, mm-hmm. get rid of it. And rather than just isolate, go, why am I feeling that way? Do the work. Okay, question it. Okay, cool. Because I think it's it's important to feel it in, like I that you, we always say like if you're sometimes a bad day is a good day is that phrase and sometimes you do need it you need to be staying but when I, when I was younger never never ever would stay in, never would be in bed if I felt really bad or a bit annoyed or whatever or a bit upset I would thrust myself out the bed and do something productive to make myself feel better all the time and it was sort of like toxic productivity positivity thing and then I realized I learned how to actually sit into it and go you know what okay I'm just gonna sit here for two hours I'm just gonna like lie in the bed and listen to rain or whatever it is and I'm just gonna let the feeling and then what I did is I, I then I isolated what what that feeling was and then how to like if I felt it again I knew the tools of how to deal with it rather than just like pushing it away and p- pressing it down and I think a lot of people mm who don't who don't know themselves enough or don't know or not self-aware enough of the tools or of themselves suppress it and just go I just need to deal with it and then move on yeah and I think like it's really you know it's such a learning curve for so many people because it can be terrifying to sit in that moment for so many people and also it's having that vulnerability to do it because we're kind of told to not do that you know if you kind of look at your dad's mentality of like just get on with it and that's what I've been so many times yeah we're kind of like it's it's taken in us from a young age so we're kind of going against the grain by doing that right we're kind of going against what our parents who we respect and we learn from are telling us to do so it can feel this really confusing moment for so many people where they're like no that's not what I've been taught and I shouldn't lean into it and I shouldn't do this as so it can be a really confusing and conflicting time for for anyone to actually go let me lean into this uncomfortable feeling of pain it's like it's like me saying put your put your hand into an ice cold bath of water and sit there with it you're like why would I do that because it's painful but now we know the effects of ice cold water therapy but it's like your immediate reaction is like, why would I do that? And it's the same with how we feel, right? It's like, why would you sit there and, and feel in pain and try to figure out why you're feeling that way? Because that's not how you've been taught. And so for so many people, it, it can take kind of, you know, it's a long it's a long journey. And I honestly think, no matter how self-aware you are, and I truly believe this, no matter how self-aware you are, you will always doubt yourself. You will always have these feelings. It's just, it's more of an acceptance. And I think there will never, I don't want anyone to listen to this and think, okay, I'm going to sit here, feel the pain and think, and, and never have that again or everything's resolved because it never is. You will always have these recurring moments. It's just more around having the compassion to kind of fit, to kind of actually like allow yourself. It's like having the acceptance to accept it basically um, yeah. and to not fear it. I think that's like the biggest outcome. It's not about, going to dissolve all of these feelings because it doesn't happen like it they never does no and o- and oprah and probably obama it probably feels self-doubt at some point in their life do you know what i mean and it's and if, completely and, it, and if they the do highest performing individuals do and yeah. then honestly the highest performing individuals will have the biggest moments of self-doubt mm. and that, i think i think that's the most scrutiny yeah and i and i think i because i i know and you know as well some some very successful people who, who are brilliant in what they do and at first hand know 
how their mind works or what they're feeling. And from an outset who don't know these people, you would just be like, wow, they have everything. They're just killing it and whatever. And you know that they're having these self-doubt issues or they it's going through these dilemmas or whatever. And then you know, then when they make a decision and then you go, I know what they were going through to make that decision. Completely. I mean, I watched um, last week and it's, a, and it's an extreme example, but Lewis Capaldi's documentary on Netflix, I'm oh, not sure man. if you've seen it. Ooh, but like, it's so good. You, it's amazing, right? And if you kind of look at, I mean, he is what, he was like the man of the moment, bringing, winning the Brits, like having everyone scream his name, having like one of the best selling albums of the year, one of the biggest songs of all time, you know, Ed Sheeran, Alston, everyone hugely respecting him. And he really suffered with imposter syndrome. And you kind of, you're watching this film and your documentary and you're kind of thinking, okay, I kind of understand, but then you see the physical effects and like, you know, how much that anxiety has basically manifested in his Tourette syndrome mm -hmm. and how basically now it stops him from performing live because he just cannot get through an interview without feeling an, an immense amount of imposter syndrome and also stress and anxiety together. And it's completely mm. you know, destroying his career because he's he's in pain every time he's performing or every time he's having to go into that recording studio. And when you watch something like that, you know, he is somebody who is hugely respected, but he feels such a weight on his shoulders to be even better than he was before. That is all manifesting in such extreme ways. And but you... If Lewis Capaldi has imposter syndrome, this is true. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal songwriter. We've all got to kind of reference it and go, okay, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, you can suffer with this, and it, it's really important to just even this acknowledge. I can only imagine Adele going through this after her first album, and then doing the second album, and yeah. then doing the third album. Like she is, mm -hmm. and she just came back killing it, and he's under the same pressure. So, similarly, with yeah. probably Billie Eilish as well when she did um her stuff back in the day yeah. whenever whenever when i don't even i, I keep i don't keep track what she's she's recording now but the back in the day when obviously she was she was doing her great stuff and now i'm like you to have that that pressure from labels yeah. management audience mm -hmm. yourself all that sort of stuff as well is well it's you're your biggest inner critic right it's like you kind of see on that documentary you know his manager and everyone else around him wanting him to do really well but also knowing that he needs to take some time for himself, but he's kind of got this fire where he's like, I really want to, you know, not be a flop. I really want it to be like the best one yet. And it's your, your, it's your own standards that you put up against yourself, right? And I think so many of us have that and suffer with that, but normally think that we're the only ones going through it. Whereas not. actually everyone's going through it. <laughs> everyone's going through the same. And this is what I love about podcasts, right? Like, Back, I don't even know when podcasts came out. Is that 2014, 2015? I don't, I don't even know when podcasts came out. But um, what I love about it is that you really get to know people really deeply if if you're mm. got, if you're on the right podcast, um, yeah. and then you you can relate to them. You can go like, oh, mm -hmm. this person's feeling this, or and I didn't really notice. I didn't really notice about um, Pedro Pascal recently of his like his crazy journey and it just made me just go wow you work so damn hard to get where you are and that's what the beautiful thing about podcasts is that really allows people to be a bit more vulnerable and allows mm. people to really get to know the person a bit more mm. um and and i think the more time we have like relatability with people who we are mm. seeing as these brilliant people that either we're trying to become or we aspire to become, or 
they're just we just I don't know whatever the whatever whatever you see is inspiration from them you know that they're human because yeah, we now know because we now can see that actually they're just being vulnerable people and that's mm-hmm. it and when you meet mm-hmm. them or when you in their space just remember they're human but, and also the great thing as well is that we're all going to just be here for a finite amount of time and then pedro pascal probably won't be known in 200 years time maybe mm-hmm. maybe not i don't know but i had this really beautiful experience at a funeral recently well, I didn't know anyone in the audience and I only knew the, the sister of the, of the person that passed away. And I was just looking at everyone going like, this is the only time we're all going to be in this, this church. I don't know anyone. And then suddenly mm-hmm. tomorrow there's going to be some more people. And then in hundred years time, this church is still going to be here, but we're not going to be here. And it was just a weird, weird, interesting feeling. And then it just reminds you that we're all just human, whether you Pascal, Pedro Pascal, or you go to the Met Gala or not go to the Met Gala. You're just like, yeah, but we are fundamentally, right? We kind of yeah. put people on pedestals. And we and we and there's parts of it, you know, where people are super inspiring and that's why we do it. Um, but at the end of the day, we are all just atoms. And it's like we kind of forget that. We're all just molecules, basically. Millions and millions of atoms are all put together. Mm. And we all have we all feel. And so it's one of those things where just because you are some high flying celebrity or, you know, an incredible entrepreneur, whoever you are doesn't mean that you don't feel or you don't go through those moments of self-doubt and i Mm -hmm. think you know everyone does and it's just remembering that everyone is 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 human indeed we have to kind of remember that we are human uh we're Mm -hmm. not the terminators um so so until you know we might change ai is going to come in you know ai is already in flow and very good old old chat gbt where i mean you you probably in the future in probably like the next 10 years it actually won't be me sitting here it will be an ai version of my avatar talking to you via an ai speech thing and it's not actually me um which is very scary (laughs) that's very scary i'll just be in bed i'll just be sleeping in bed like and there's someone else do the ai is doing my podcast brilliant um so as as we wrap up the podcast, what I love to ask my guests is a give back. Um, and we, sp- we spoke about loads of different um, subjects and topics this this uh, episode. What would you give back to your younger self or someone listening that has been an inspiration for you? It could be a podcast. It could be a person, book, anything. What would you give back? I would, um, I think it would just be something that I have. I mean, it's very hard, that question for me. And I feel like if I had some real time to think about it, I'd probably say something listen to this back or think about it tomorrow and go I wish I said that um and it's very hard to kind of think about off my head but I think one thing that I've really kind of learned through all of my podcasting and also just through my journey is the most important thing through all of your life is authenticity so never try to be someone that you're not it's and I, I think it's something that's just really stood out through all of my podcasts from all the people that I've kind of ended up relating to more if someone's inauthentic it's it's really shown but also just like the more authentic you are yourself the more honest you are with yourself and I think that is just so important and I kind of think more with kind of social media and all of these things that are going on especially when I was in the fashion industry never kind of feeling that you know I was the right fit or the right mold or maybe I was a bit of a misfit actually all of those things are the best things yeah being your most authentic person they're you right but we kind of feel like we need to conform or change or align with people's messaging. And actually it's like being your authentic self is the best thing you'll ever be. And that will reduce your anxiety. And you're just honest, you're honest with yourself. 
as I think that's probably like the biggest thing I think it's just a kind of an amalgamation of conversations that I've had where it's like just be just try to be as authentic as you can as possible and I think that will end up leading into a, such a more insightful life um than actually trying to conform or trying to fill in or trying to be someone that you're not because so many times we're not even aware that we're not being authentic and I think actually like leaning into really who you are is is really important Indeed. Don't follow the sheep. Don't follow the sheep. Be the wolf. Don't follow the sheep. So I'm sorry that's not like it's something something like a book to read. Um, but I just think it's like just ringing home authenticity, I think, is just really, really, really key. Authenticity is cool nowadays, kids. This is what it is. It, it wasn't cool back in the day, but now it is. And we should be doing that more. It's amazing. Should, how, right? how, but it's amazing how society changed, right? It's changed society. I, I I speak to so many marketeers and people and I'm like, why is it that things weren't like that back in the day? Why is it we didn't have like Oatly like killing it in the game in 2000? Like, why is it that things have to take time to shift? And now, and it should be, authenticity is really cool. But we have also seen like brilliant artists and people and and thinkers who are just themselves, who are thinking and going against the grain, being themselves, and are are, are questioning society, and then becoming really well known because they're not mm. think being everyone. Like Einstein is the most craziest person ever, and the most weirdest with his personality, and that's what makes him unique. And now we know his name completely. And I also think like, it's interesting you say, but there's a part of me where I'm like, I think we're in the most unauthentic era ever really like, I think like with yeah I do like I think there's a very small amount of people that are very authentic and I think the majority of people are like conforming on social media or you know like even just thinking about going to university right like it's now just like you should just go to university like is that right for you is that right for your brain is that right for your mind like all of these questions that like we don't actually question because it's just kind of we're conforming to what we should be doing I think there's a lot of like unauthenticity online. I don't think people are really true. I think it's very rare for people to actually be true online. I think there's a lot of people that aren't authentic. But I swear like Chicken Shop is so like authentic in herself and like other... Other people have like Florence Given is so authentic. Like there is, I feel like there's got people. There's yeah, definitely like a beautiful handful of people that are really authentic. But like, we've kind of come into this kind of screen lens era, which ten years ago we didn't have. And so I do think there's kind of this like filtered life that we see. And I mean, we're all. Um, can I give you one second? My doorbell's going. Sorry, yeah, is that all right? Yeah, no, go, Sorry. go, go, go. Gonna keep going. Sorry, what did you what did you, what, did, what what did you order? I I ordered um <laughs> I ordered I'll show you. Yes, please. Gonna be. It's please the coronation order. this weekend, right? It is the coronation, yes. So, oh, lovely. I'm having a dinner, like not dinner. It's like a big lunch thing that everyone's meant to do on a Sunday. You meant to like get the friends and family and do a big family lunch. Indeed. So, um, this is to decorate. Ah, you know, yeah, yeah. Amazon Prime. Of um, co- <laughs> course, of course. Um, my, sorry, my, uh, my, 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 my mum, my birthday's at the end of the month, and my mum. Oh, happy birthday! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to, so we're going to Soho Farmhouse for the weekend, and so, I, and so, some friends are coming for di- for lunch or whatever at Penyon. And so, what my mum always does, my my family are very theatrical, very theatrical, and so last, so when we it started probably 
before covid and so we would do themes so like we turn the house into like frozen or you would turn it into cats the musical and everyone would become amazing and so my family are very theatrical and so this year it's called it's called it's king so it's obviously king coronation king and so they're buying me a crown a scepter and a cape to want to wander around farmhouse i love that I love that. You need to get them to like bow when you walk past. They they so one year they they basically got uh they bought red carpet or red whatever it was called from the top of the stairs all the way into the our our two dining rooms into the kitchen, and they basically uh it was but it was Lion King themed, and so they all dressed up with Lion King stuff and they all did like. And they're all like bowing as I'm walking down uh, the the red carpet into the kitchen. I mean, I mean, they just sound amazing. <laughs> oh, it's so uh, I it's those it's those memories that make you really really like smile, and you just go, "What it, that life is really great as as how you make it." And I think you should be bold really? and brash and just be out there. I wouldn't I wouldn't change my family for anything, but we are a bit much. We are very loud and, and out their family but i think that's the best i think these are the memories that you treasure yeah i mean the the family memories are the most important ones they are what the do, best they are the ones do, that we see the most present in what do you what do you what do you celebrate like do, do you have like any clear like memories from your family like something something like that like theme birthdays we didn't do any theme birthdays um i'm trying to think i mean my fam i've got like 10 years between my myself and my siblings so I'm definitely like the real baby of the family so there was any kind of part where everyone was at home and then it was basically just me and my parents um because they kind of went off to London when they were when they were 18 I was eight left at home um but no I mean I think a big thing about us was like we'd always gather on mills and it would be really loud and everyone would have quite a big opinion and very talkative we weren't ever as cool as you and did like huge themed birthdays, I have to say. I feel like that's something I should introduce into my family and be like, apparently we're all gonna do a themed birthday this year. I would um, if I, when I have when I have children, whenever that might be, whoever I marry and whatever, I'll say to my partner, I'll be like, We need to be doing themed birthdays. Clowns, <laughs> donkeys, all that sort of stuff. We need to be doing the whole shebang and we need to be dressing up. Like we need to clown costumes. I did buy my brother a Kylie Minogue outfit for his, for a lockdown when we did the Zoom thing and I made him dress up as Kylie Minogue because he oh loved Kylie Minogue. That's fun. So we <laughs> we did we, we did we uh, did I'll send you I'll send you a, um, a video but we uh, basically we did a, a nightclub in my house and my mum was the bouncer. And so my mum's got this like dicky bow and then my dad is like some like extravagant like posh whatever it is with like, a wine glass walking round in his like pea suit like a black suit and then we had like my friend who was staying with us at the time my sister's friend and my sister like doing the djing and like doing and she's doing the cocktails and stuff and it was just like a whole disco (laughs) and you couldn't get in unless you had id and so you had to go upstairs and grab the id it was so great it was a great covid experience Uh, we had so much fun Oh my god, they sound great! They look absolutely fantastic. You should make like a family um, board game box of like things that you can do and have themes. You could create a whole business out of it. I know, I know. Anyway, um, it's been great to ta- chat to you on the three hundred and sixty. Um, it's Thank been you yeah, so it's much been for having me. it's been lovely. Thank you so much.
Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to our awesome guests. Please subscribe to our podcast to access all our astonishing episodes released every Sunday, 12 p.m. We are available on all listening platforms, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram for more discussions, education, and inspiration at 360 underscore yourself. The host, that's me, Jamie Neal, on Instagram at JamieNealJN. And once again, thank you for listening and remember to 360 yourself.